Jesus' name. Well, I do this out of honor for the word, okay? And I don't ever want to. So would you stand one more time? John chapter 4. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. He said, look, you've got to come to my house or my boy's going to die. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and went his way. As he was now going down, his servants met him and said, Your son's okay, your son's living. He inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. When did my boy start getting better? And they said, Yesterday, about one in the afternoon, and the seventh hour, the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he came out of Judea. My subject today is a son, a servant, and a Samaritan. God bless you. You may be seated. This is at the end of John's books. John, of course, wrote five of the books in the New Testament, but this is the, right at the end of John 21 and verse 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose, even the world itself could not contain the books. He didn't say they could be written. He said they should be written. They should be written. We, there, are, there are repeated places in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when it says the whole city came to see him. When you read the story about the man let down through the roof, they had to do that because everybody, there was, they couldn't get the guy in. And they, listen to this verse in the book of Mark. Wherever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the street and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole. I, I don't, this whole story fascinates me because if you know your Bible, there was a woman with the issue of blood and she had been hemorrhaging for many, many, many years and you couldn't go into church during that time. Well, her time wasn't once a month, it was years. And so she grabbed the hem of his garment. 
when she did, instantly she was healed. Off the top of my head, it's Matthew chapter 9. If you go to Matthew 14, it says, And many besought him if they would just touch the hem of his garment. I found a verse years ago that, that is so appropriate. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, it says, The Son of Righteousness, but it's cool the way it does Son. It's capital S-S-U-N, not S-O-N. It said, The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. The word that's translated wings there is a Hebrew word, kanaf. It, it, it is proper, of course, to translate it wing, but it's got additional meanings. And one of the additional translations of the word kanaf is edges or borders of the garment. And it's saying the son of righteousness is going to come and he's going to have healing in the borders of his garment. And that woman was a, was, wasn't even a Jew. And she, she was healed. And when that happened, it opened up an entire new ministry that people said, if I could just touch him. Here, they're laying these people in the street, hoping that just his shadow would touch him. Now, now just think with all the social media and all the stuff that we have now, if Jesus was in this room right now, it would just take a moment. And I promise you, them Uber guys would be charging $100 to bring somebody from Troy Beaumont three miles down here to come in this church. This place, the grass, everything, city had come. Jesus would empty the hospitals because it was like, if, if I could just get around him, just a shadow. Wow. You know, and, and it's just that there are, you know, John said there were lots of things he did. We, we've lost them to history. And um, we, we, we don't know what else he did. However, there are 37 miracles recorded in the Bible that Jesus did. I personally believe every one of them have a reason. And if, if we could take the time, and I've always wanted to take the time, maybe I'm in a different season of my life now, and I may be able to start putting some of this down. I always kind of wanted to do that, but I wasn't disciplined enough to do it. And, but I believe that every miracle that Jesus did has a specific purpose and has something totally different to teach us about the healing aspects of what Jesus is capable of doing. And it's like in the Old Testament, there were seven festivals of Israel. I, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement. I believe those seven festivals all give us an aspect of the church. When you get into Leviticus, the first five chapters, there's the five offerings, and you got the the burn offering and, and the peace offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and the meal offering. I, I th- every one of them have show us something different that he did. When you study the sacrifices in the tabernacle, 
they, every one of them show a different aspect of what he, and it's the same thing with the miracles in the New Testament. I think if we really took the time, there are 37 different things that the word is trying to teach us that he's capable of doing. And there are things that possibly have a different name now than back then, but there's, these things are written that you might believe that he is the Christ. Bible said he came in the fullness of time, not a fragment of time. By the time he showed up I, I, it, and what he did is, is there to show he can do anything. You know, because I, 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 I messed with people's minds years ago. and I said, I don't serve a biblical Jesus. We don't serve a biblical Jesus. And I wasn't rebuking them. I was making a statement of fact. And people thought that was so strange what I said. But I said, let me explain something to you. The Bible says in John 7, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Watch. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and he leaves, that after he left, he was glorified. We had a little shot of it in Matthew 17 on the top of the mountain. But when John saw him years later, he said he was like the Son of Man. He he said, I knew it was Jesus, but wow. And, 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 And so... What we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of this happened before the resurrection. All of this happened before he was glorified. We're on the other side of the cross, which means not only do we have the right to believe for everything that's in that Bible, There's stuff that isn't in that Bible that he's capable of doing. Jesus is bigger than the book. And the book pretty much takes us to his resurrection and he left. I'm not serving the Jesus that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm serving the Jesus on the other side of the open tomb. That's an extra biblical Jesus. That's why the book of Acts is so powerful. And so it's like Shakespeare, you know. Uh, I got fascinated with a guy years ago named Shelby Foote. Um, Ken Burns, if you ever see any of Ken Burns documentaries, they're all amazing. But Ken Burns did one on the Civil War. And he, he, he used a guy named Shelby Foote. And so I got fascinated with Shelby Foote. And so I saw them interview Shelby Foote. And he said, if you were talking to writers... What would you say is mandatory for writers to read? He said, oh, Shakespeare, no problem. Hands down, he said, Shakespeare's the master. 
uh, it's like, if I remember right, most people have a working vocabulary of about, uh, I think it's like eight to 10,000 words. Churchill was pretty special. They figured Churchill had a vocabulary of at least 14 to 16,000 words. Shakespeare, <laughs> in his writings, has a vocabulary of over 20,000 words. And what's really cool is that almost a third of them he invented. They weren't even in the English language until he wrote them down. That's how brilliant this guy was. And, 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 and you know, he wrote the five, they call them what the tragedies, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, you know, King Lear, that's five of them. And so it's obvious Shakespeare wrote those five tragedies. But you, you can't limit him to those five books. He's the author of them books. He's bigger than them books. And it's the same thing with Jesus. He's bigger than the Bible. He can do everything that's in there and more. And, 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 and so he begins his ministry in Nazareth, you know, the demoniac of Gadara. Or not, no, not when he started his ministry in Nazareth. And that's, where, that's Luke 4, you know, when he read Isaiah 61 and he closed it and he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Because if you read Isaiah 61, it talks about um, the acceptable year of the Lord. And, and he reads that in Luke 4. What was that? That's Leviticus 25. That's what's known as the Jubilee year. Every 50 years was a Jubilee year, which you, you, got, you got your land back. You got, the, you got the family farm back because real estate is a big deal to God and still is. And so it's obvious the first year of the ministry of Jesus was a Jubilee year. And he appropriately reads Isaiah 61. And then he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And what he was saying was, you're never going to have to wait 50 years again to get back what you've lost. I'm Jubilee. And so when he gets done, they're in shock and they're going, I never heard anybody preach like that. Authority. Wow. And then some smart mouth says, wait a minute. Isn't that the kid that his dad used to have a carpenter shop here? Uh, Mary. That's Mary's boy. And it said, they besought him that he would leave. And they... When, when you read the story of the demoniac of Gadir, Matthew 8, Mark 5, Luke 8. One, I think it's Matthew. Matthew said there were two that met him out of the tombs. No one, I've never heard anybody preach about that. The other guy. So two guys meet the same Jesus, hear the same sermon. One gets delivered and the other stays bound. I've seen that happen in church. People hear the same singing, same sermon, come to the same altar, 
Some get delivered, some go home the same way. I've seen that. It used to frustrate me until I read that and said, well, Jesus had people like that. <laughs> Let me explain something to you if you get frustrated about the church. Not even God could create a perfect heaven. Even in heaven, there was Lucifer. Not even Jesus could pick 12 good ones. If Jesus can't pick 12 good ones, then who am I? (laughs) And that gave me hope because I realized there's, there's a lot of variety when you're dealing with the human condition. It fascinates me, though, when those demons spoke out of that man. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. What have we, have you come to torment us before our time? So it's obvious, even the devils knew Nazareth was supposed to be ground zero. Nazareth was supposed to be the headquarters of Jesus Ministries Incorporated. But they pushed him out and he went down the road. And he ends up in a place around that's called Capernaum. Capernaum is a fascinating place because there are 37 miracles recorded that Jesus did. Over two-thirds of all those miracles happened either in Capernaum or on the verge, on the outskirts of it. Chorazin, Bethsaida, this is Canaan. It's all, it's all, all Capernaum. In other words, all this could have happened in Nazareth. I mean, Capernaum, this is where Peter lived. This is where Andrew lived. This, 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 is, this is, he could have called his disciples out of Nazareth, but they came out of Capernaum. And over two-thirds of the miracles that we have in the Bible happen in this one localized area. In, in, as a matter of fact, in, in Matthew 11, it says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, which was a fishing village about two miles from Capernaum. And woe unto you, Bethsaida. Same thing. He said, If the mighty works that were done in you had been done in some other places, they would have repented. And, and it's a powerful, powerful deal because Jesus does, it's, uh, what, what is it, John? For Jesus does his first miracle at a wedding. I, I, I mentioned that last, I mean, I, I checked, is, is Jameson in church today? I don't think he's in church. He wasn't in church last Sunday. Got married on Saturday, should have been there to hear his pastor preach the next day, but he was gone. Let me say this to you. Very soon... Jameson's going to bring his sweetheart here. Her name is Chelsea. Many of you know her. You be sweet to her. This is all new to her. This is not where she was raised. Her family's not here. She's going to need a kind group of people. And I know you're up to that, so you embrace her and and love on her. Because she's got a lot of new things to deal with when she comes back. And so Jordan and, and his they're getting married. When are you getting married, Jordan? Thursday. Thursday. We're going to do our best not to tie a slipknot. 
you know, told him that. But it's just a lot, lot, of, lot of changes. And, and Jesus, the Bible begins with a wedding. It ends with a wedding. Jesus, not by chance, Jesus began his ministry at a wedding. And so he does this thing, and it's amazing, turns water into wine, and then he goes. And what I've read to you is he's back now the second time. And, buddy, they've all heard about the wedding. They've all heard about it. And this, this nobleman, this wealthy guy comes up to him and he says, my son's dying. Would you come home and heal my boy? And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, you got, oh, if you don't see something, you won't believe. Jesus is about to test this man's faith because he's going to ask him to believe something he can't see. He said, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And it's very specific. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke. Obviously, he left. It's a trip. He started at 1 o'clock the previous afternoon. I don't know what time he got home the next day. But before he can get in the yard, the servants are jubilant. Master, your son's getting better. And it's, what's the exactness of the word? Would you tell me exactly when he started getting better? <gasps> yeah, fever broke one o'clock yesterday. And he knew that was the exact moment when he obeyed the word and started going back home to have a miracle that he hadn't seen yet. Watch. You want something to happen in your life today? I'm teaching you the word of the Lord. You have to make a choice if you're going to obediently respond to the word. Because we want to see something and then we'll believe. And she said, no, it don't work that way. I'm going to give you my word. You act on it obediently. Then I'll give you something. Can you act without seeing it? Do you know the Bible said faith is the evidence of things not seen? If while we're in church today, there was a big rainstorm, and then the sun came out by the time I got done, and you walked out there and you stepped in a big water puddle, none of you would say, oh, look, this is evidence that it's going to rain. If you went out in the woods and, and saw a ring of rocks and some charred black sticks, none of you would say, oh, look, this is evidence. There's going to be a fire here soon. If you, if you happen to pick up a spent cartridge of, of, a, of a gun, none of you would say, oh, look, here's evidence. Somebody's going to shoot a gun. Evidence is post-mortem. Evidence always happens after the rain, after the fire, after the gun went off. Listen again. Faith is evidence 
Your faith is actual evidence, not that something's going to happen, but that something did already happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, it's amazing. And, and, and so, so Jesus leaves and he comes back about two weeks later. And it's in Matthew 8. And there's a soldier that meets him. And he says, my servant is at home grievously tormented. Jesus does the exact opposite. Two weeks before, this guy said, would you please come home with me? He said, no, I ain't coming home with you. I'm going to speak the word. Thy son, thy son liveth. Go home. Two weeks later, he comes back to this city. And, and this soldier, no, not a Jew, this is, this is a Roman soldier who says, my servant is dying. Jesus does the exact opposite. Oh, I'll come home with you. And he said, oh, no, no, you don't need to do that. Watch what he says. I am a man under authority. I say to one guy, go, he goes. I say to another, come, he comes. Then he says this, just speak the word only. Just do what you did two weeks ago. It worked for the nobleman. It'll work for me. Jesus said, I never seen faith like this. No Jew ever figured this out. But this Roman guy figured it out. Because he, you know, this is a soldier. He's a centurion. He's got a hundred men under him. And he said, if I got to move boxes, I can do that. If I got to move wagons, I can do that. But I'm out of my league here. I can't move sickness. But I see something in you that I, I, I live by. If, if I give a man a commandment and an order and he doesn't obey me, he doesn't just have me to deal with. He's got my commanding officer who gave me the order. And he said, I think you're a man under authority just like me. Did you get the understanding? If you're here today and you're struggling with something in your life, let me ask you a simple question. Are you under authority or not? Do you have anybody in your life with veto power? That whether you understand or even agree with it, if they tell you no, don't you do that, would you obey? If you don't have somebody like that, you better get somebody like that. Watch, you're never going to have authority over things in your life until you are willing to voluntarily submit yourself to authority. You won't. You won't. I've never been the kind of pastor that said, it's my way or the highway. I'm God, Lord, boss, and the big kahuna in this church. I'm the pastor, so you're going to obey me for else. I've never been that way. But I am going to tell you this. Sooner or later, you're going to need a pastor in your life. To a lot of people, I'm just a preacher. But to some people, I'm their pastor. Which means they're trusting me with the bluest of the blue chips, their soul. It's a big deal. Trust me, it's a big deal. So don't enter into it lightly. Don't, don't just do it because I'm handsome. Don't just do it. You, you need to check this out. You need to find out, am, am I for real or not? Let me tell you what, every Catholic priest ain't a pedophile. Every Pentecostal preacher isn't going to run off with the secretary. Check me out. 
We had a guy came to this church several years ago, and he was wealthy. He had hundreds of rental properties all over this area. And he came for several months, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. Great guy. And he said, could I have a meeting with you? Sure. And he said, do you know who my sister is? And I said, no. And he told me her name. And I went, oh, I know who your sister is now. And, and I got to be careful how I word this, but she's a billionaire. She owned multiple banks. I knew where she lived. She had a helipad on her house, had a fleet of planes, wealthy, probably the wealthiest woman in the Midwest. He said, my sister was Catholic. When she found out that I was coming to this church, she was furious. And he said, have you noticed anything unusual in the last couple of months? And I said, no, I don't think so. He said, my sister hired the best private investigators in Chicago, and they've been following you for three months. Said Pastor Hoffman, they got your W-2 statements. They, they, they've got video recordings. They've, they hacked your emails. After three months of following you, they told my sister, he's clean. And she said, everybody's got a secret somewhere. And they said, not this guy. We have been through him everywhere. There's nothing there. And I said, that's not a secret to me. I've lived that way. My secretaries have the passwords to my computer. I don't have secrets. And it's just like, and he had to move because of work. And I, but, but, but it was just a great story about, you know, if you live clean, you don't have anything to worry about. I asked Sean Cabot, you know, he, he came here. He's the pastor in Port Huron. He's an attorney. And I said, Sean, I'm watching some of these trials and things on YouTube. They're asking people questions about stuff that happened 20 years ago. I said, how can you possibly ask somebody about something they said 20 years ago? He said, oh, you're going to love this answer, Pastor Hoffman. He said, if you always tell the truth, then you know exactly how you answered that question 20 years ago because you haven't changed. He said, if you're a liar, and he said, that's how we get them. That's how we catch them on the stand. They're telling lies all the time. They can't keep track of all their lies. And he said, that's how we fool them. So the deal is just tell the truth. See, Jesus is the way, the truth. I I was taught all my life, we're Pentecostals. We have the truth, which means Acts 2.38. I got news for you. Don't say that. Because the truth is not a doctrinal position. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the light. And that's that's why repentance is so powerful. You know, I, I see people, I don't want to repent because if I really 
spill my guts, he's not going to like me anymore. I got news for you. You're never going to surprise Jesus. You know, he's never going to say, oh, shoot, Harold. I expected it out of everybody else, but not you. When I get down on my knees, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I did it. No, you, you did. You're never going to surprise the Lord. Nothing is more attractive to the truth than the truth. And when you just, <laughs> it's not about humiliating yourself. Remember Jacob? Jacob, here's an angel. Come on. Come on now. You think an angel is so stupid that he doesn't know his name? And he said, what's your name? Uh, I'm a liar. Thank you. Now we can deal with this. Now, we, now you're going to be Israel. You think the angel knew exactly what his name was. He wasn't confessing to the angel. He was confessing to himself and willing to openly admit, I'm a lion rat. a boy, now I'm going to make you a prince. So don't quit resisting repentance. That's why angels rejoice. Not when somebody gets baptized and filled the Holy If they repent, angels rejoice. And we're Pentecost, say, well, you got to get baptized. You got to spit that Holy Ghost, speaking in all them tongues. We ought to be like angels. We ought to rejoice when somebody repents. Because if they really do repent, they will get baptized. They will be filled with the Spirit. And, and this stuns me because here's this, here's this soldier that figures this out. I'm a man under authority. You're a man under authority. Jesus was a man under, yeah. There's God, the man, Christ Jesus, and then there's man and woman. He's got this dual nature. He's a man under authority. I, I was talking to a good friend on the phone yesterday and he was having some difficult days and I told him about something that happened to me a while ago and I was, I was very hurt. I had some people gang up on me. I thought it was uncalled for. I'm talking about other preachers. And, and I, I got involved with, with, with trying to see that Detroit became a district of its own. And I, told, I said, I feel like I'm in a civil war with blue pants and a gray shirt. I, it's just like I'm getting shot every time I turn around. And I came here, right there, and I just poured out my heart and said, God, I... <sighs> I'm being accused of stuff I didn't say. I'm being accused of stuff I didn't do. I, I, like Mike talked about Pentecostal leads. There's Pentecostal cussing too. It's not the words you think of, but preachers have a way of bawling you out. And, 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 and I was called things and there were things that were said to me that, that hurt me deeply. And I came here to pray, and I'm just pouring out my heart, saying, God, they said this about me. They did this to me. Uh, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, well, you said you wanted to be like me. And it's like, no, 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 no. I want to walk on water. I want to open up deaf ears, man. And he said, they pulled my beard out. They spit on me. I was wounded in the house of my friends. I was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. You really want to be like me? There you go. <laughs> and it's like, this, this, this is amazing to me. Because he, he said, just speak the word only. And Jesus said, go thy way. Watch, 
as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Watch. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. It's just as exact as that first story. I've told you the story of the son. Now we're into the servant. But it's always the same. He speaks. The moment you obey, something changes. The self-same hour. (laughs) So, can I see, has anyone here ever seen a leper? Have you ever seen anybody with leprosy? Is there anybody? Me. I'm the only one. I saw it in India. It's not what you see that you'll remember. It's the smell. It attacks the furthest extremities from your heart. So fingers go, toes fall off, lobes of your ear, end of your nose. The extremities, they just literally rot. And there's 10 of these guys. And, 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 and it's fascinating because it's in the book of Luke. And, and he says, you need to go to church. Go show yourself to the priest. And you've got to understand, if you've got leprosy, you don't go to the temple. They'll kill you. And so, go show yourself to the priest. This is what it said. Watch. As they went. They're healed. And one of them, who's a Samaritan, (laughs) he runs back to Jesus. And Jesus said, where's everybody else? Uh, You didn't ask us to come back. Hey, dummy, I just healed you of leprosy. I shouldn't have to ask you to come back. I could take you example after. Do you know nobody ever asked David to fight Goliath? I'll give you a million bucks if you can give me the verse where, oh, Saul did it. No, he didn't. His brother, no, there's not one verse in the Bible that says somebody asked David to fight. He said, I'll do that. <laughs> here, here, here is this, this is stunning to me. And he, it said he came, one, 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 one of these places, it said he came back worshiping him. Jesus says this, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, this is not original with me, but the first time I ever heard it, it really moved me. I'm hoping that maybe there's somebody in this crowd today that's never heard this. Because it just may move you as much as it moved me the first time I heard it. Because it's one thing to get healed. It's another thing to be made whole. It's not the same. So they're all healed, but they're eating breakfast the next morning, and his nine pals are trying to hold a a spork with, with with nubs. And he's over there going... And they're going, dude, where'd you get the fingers? And he said, looky here. And he puts his foot up on the table and said, I got all my toes back too. And they're saying, where'd you get the fingers and toes? And he said, I went back. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm so grateful you're here today because there's no doubt in my mind, Jesus in one way or another has healed everyone in this room at one time or another. But you came back. Here you are. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, oh, is that amazing? But you would come back again and again and again and again. Watch, let, 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 me, let me give you a revelation. They let the guy down through the roof. Here's a guy maybe in a coma because he said he saw their faith, not the guy. So, so Jesus looks at this crowd, this huge crowd. And he said, what's easier to do? Heal this body or forgive sins? Nobody will answer. Here's these Pharisees in the back saying, only God can forgive sin, but they're saying it in their heart. And Jesus looks at them and says, why reason you these things in your heart? And they're going. They answered their own question. It's like Ashley always tells me, it's rhetorical, Dad. It's rhetorical. Here's the question. Who can forgive sins except God? answers in the question. Watch, watch. Listen with revelation. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. I say, get up! Rise! Take up your bed and walk. Dude's eyes pop open. Wham! He's off of that bed worshiping God. Did you get the revelation? When Years ago at the old church, I had a call. We had church at 2, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday evening. It was a long day. And church was over, and I was in the office by myself, and I get a call from this lady, and she said, Pastor Hoffman, I know you're a new pastor there, but my brother just had a heart attack. He, 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 he's in Troy, or he's in Royal Oak, Beaumont. Would you be willing to go pray for my brother? He won't live through the night. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And she said, well, there's something I need to tell you. I said, okay. She said, my brother lives in the house right beside of your property. I said, oh, okay, good. Well, now make it convenient for him to come to church. She said, no, you don't understand. The man that pastored the church before you always had a tent revival on the grass every summer. And there's a noise ordinance in Madison Heights, 9 o'clock. One minute after nine, my brother called the cops on your church when they had the tent revival because he said they were bothering him. He hates your church. Are you still willing to go? Yeah. So I went over there, and there he is looking like a plumbing experiment with all these tubes and all these monitors and stuff. And there's this very obnoxious nurse. And you can feel it. One of the hardest places to operate in faith is a hospital because it's totally sold out to sense knowledge. And this woman looks at me like, so what do you think's going to happen when you put your stupid little hand on his head? We're the medical people. You understand that? I, we, 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 we've been to college. You got that stupid little bottle of oil. What, what do you think's going to happen? 
And, 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 and I said, ma'am, I'd like you to leave. And she said, excuse me. And I said, no, I don't think I will. I'd like you to leave. You don't believe what I believe. And your doubt is destroying faith in this room. I want you to leave. And people said, oh, that was rude. Jesus did that with Jairus' daughter. He threw them out. Get out of here. Some of them might have been his apostles. You don't believe. Get out of here. All of a sudden, he brings that little girl out and said, "Woo." I believe now. And so I shut the door and I looked at that man. I said, my name's Harold Huffman. Do you know who I am? I said, I pastor the apostolic church on Gardenia where your house is. Do you know who I am now? I said, do you know you're not going to live through the night? You're going to be dead in a couple hours. Do you understand that? Will you give me permission to pray for you? If God heals you and raises you up, will you give me your word that you'll serve God and come to church for the rest of your life? So I prayed. And then them, they went nuts. All them monitors, they finally came and said, you got to leave now. You're killing this guy. This is God's honest truth. If I, I got to answer to God for this. His sister called me the next day and said, They let him go this morning. I'm not done. I've never seen him again. I've never seen that man again. He got healed. And that's all he wanted. You, you got to understand, if you've ever been healed in your... Look at this church, just at what's happened in the last couple months. I mean, Brother Pacheco should be dead, but he's cancer-free. Greg Vandewater should be dead, but he's cancer-free. Jay Boren should be dead, but he's cancer-free. I can keep going. I give you example after example. And I appreciate you worshiping, but did you get the revelation? Did you get the insight? Jesus is saying, every time I heal somebody's body, I'm trying to get your attention to help you understand. I want to fix the sin problem. I'll fix the obvious so that you can believe me for the, for the invisible. Do you know Corinthians says, we look at things which are not seen. <laughs> because if you're not willing to see the invisible, you're never going to see the miraculous. I'm teaching you the word. Here's a son that had a close relationship. Here's a servant that had a different kind of... Re- Here's a Samaritan that's got no relationship, but it doesn't matter. All three of them did the same thing. The word was spoken. They obediently responded, something changed. Here's the lepers. They look the same. They feel the same. They smell the same. The only thing that changed, word had been spoken. So here you are today. I'm teaching you the word of the Lord. Are you willing? 
I can't burglarize. Are you willing to obediently respond to the word? Because if you are, according to that Bible, your faith is evidence. In the self-same hour that you're willing to believe the word, something changes. Not going to change, something changes. Does your marriage need an overhaul? Is your family in trouble? Do you need a job? Are you willing to be obedient to the word and believe something changed today? Something changed. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're in this room, and thank you so much for God, but if you're in this room right now and you would like someone to lay their hands on you, let me tell you what the Bible says. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. And it says, who will anoint them with oil. Watch what it says. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if they've committed any sin, it will be forgiven. Oh, that's a good deal. That means not only can you get your body healed today, if you'll submit to an elder, laying, because it's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. I've always said, you know, I, I could have Holy Ghost bubblegum. And people said, that's, I, I was watching Reverend Ike last week. He, he's been dead for years. Reverend Ike was a fan. He said, you can't lose with the stuff I use. You know, and it, it was, he was so controversial, but, but I, I can tell you, I, I'm going to sell you Holy Ghost bubblegum. And you grew up, and, and on the third bubble that you break, you're going to speak in tongues. And everybody say, I'm crazy, but I promise you, sooner or later, somebody's going to come to this church that's really hungry. They're going to be bowing their eyeballs out, and they're going to go, one, two, bam, and away they go. It's a trigger of faith. That's what laying in a, not just anybody, not just anybody. I got to be careful because I'm too loose sometimes. But in the Bible, in that book of Acts, not just anybody had a bottle of oil. It was an elder who had the blessing of the pastor. And the pastor saying, when I send somebody to your house and they got a bottle of oil, they have my blessing on their life. I'm not just sending any old reprobate to your house. I'm telling you, these guys are clean. I'm telling you, they got a prayer life. I'm telling you, they can touch God. Well, I got to have the preacher. You got to get over preacher religion. This ain't about preacher religion. It's the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. You get in the Old Testament, Elijah dies and and Elisha has got his pastor's sport coat on. He's got the mantle on. He comes back and they said, oh, where's the boss? Oh, he said, you ain't going to believe this, man. Dude went up in a chariot. He's gone. And they said, maybe he fell out. You read it. It's in the Kings. For three days, they looked for Elijah. And I used to preach this message, looking for the body of Elijah. One day, Harold's going to be gone. I'll get too old to do anything. I'll die. Are you, are you going to have preacher religion? And say, you know, oh, Pastor Hoffman, wow, is he so special. You've got to get your eye off the messenger and 
get it on the message. You've got to get this. I, 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 I know churches that are personality driven and when that guy is gone, the whole thing is gone. It would be the greatest testimony to my ineptness is when the day comes that I hang up my spurs, this place just shrivels up to nothing and I didn't build a very good foundation. I want to build a foundation that when I'm gone, not only are you here, but multitudes of others have come because of the foundation that we've laid to build something amazing in this city. Watch, Elijah goes up, mantle comes down, Elisha has the mantle. He comes up to the river and he doesn't say, where's Elijah at? He said, where's Elijah's God? And he hits the river with the mantle and it opens up. See, the river is a great picture of the world. Bob said, voice of many waters. I can give you all kinds of examples like this. See the the world out there, they don't know who Harold Hoffman is. But I'll tell you what they will recognize. Anointing. They don't care who the pre are you anointed? Do you have the mantle on your life? That's what matters. Hallelujah. We've taught you the word. You know there's a scripture, it says when the wise, not stupid guy, wise men. When the wise men came to where Jesus was, they, they worshiped, they presented their gifts, and then it says this, they returned into their own country a different way. That's what we want to have happen today. I want you to go home different. I want a different person to leave this room than came in here an hour and a half ago. Why? Because you're willing to obediently submit yourself to the word something will change in your life today if you're willing to do that if you want somebody to lay hands on you come here have you ever been healed great how about being made whole have you repented great it's not enough to read you need to be baptized in the name of the lord you need to be filled with the holy spirit you need him to take such control over you that he literally magnifies himself in a language you don't know. <laughs> that's power. <laughs> that, 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 that's power. That's what that is. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful just to be alive right now. I am, I am so... <laughs> I, I, my, my sweetheart's having a birthday. I, 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 my, 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 my children are healthy. My grandchildren are healthy. I, 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 am, I am with this amazing group of brothers and sisters in this room here right now. I've just done this for too long, Lord. I know there are people in this room that are going to be changed. <laughs> I know that what I've taught here today has resonated with somebody in this room right now and they're gonna grab a hold of this lesson and say, I heard the word, now I'm gonna obey. And I believe that when I do, something's gonna change in that self-same moment when I obey. Lord, I don't need to see it. I just need to hear it. Amen. Just speak to me, Lord. I obey your word. And then I'm gonna see something magic, amazing, and miraculous. Lord, 